0: I have two quotes to start today's episode. The first comes from Charles Darwin. During my second year at Edinburgh, I attended Jameson's lectures on geology and zoology, but they were incredibly dull. The sole effect they produced on me was a determination, never as long as I lived, to read a book on geology. The second quote comes from renowned English geologist Charles Lapworth. Darwin was a biological evolutionist because he was first a uniformitarian geologist, Biology is preeminent today among the natural sciences because its younger sister geology gave it the means. Hey y'all, I'm Paul Sievers, interpreter with Great Parks of Hamilton County, and you are listening to Take It Outdoors, a Great Parks of Hamilton County podcast. This is where you can enjoy the outdoors from the indoors. In today's episode, we are digging deep into Ohio through time and space into Ohio's geological past. We all know who Darwin is, of course, and he made it pretty clear he was not a fan of geology. And although most of us don't know the name Charles Lapworth, we are familiar with his greatest contribution to geology. He was the geologist who discovered the Ordovician Geological Period, which is a very important period locally, and we will discuss that further in a moment. Lapworth's point is that biology is shaped by geology. Millions of years of geological activity are responsible for the plants and animals we see in any given area. And beyond biology, geology helps shape culture. Geology is to thank for the fertile farmlands of much of Ohio. The major cities of Ohio and even much of the world are situated on waterways, and we have geology to thank for those waterways. If you ever enjoyed a quiet walk through the woods, think millions of years of geological activity. Even the wonderful drinking water we have in Hamilton County is because of past geological activity, and that activity is far from ceasing. And if you don't believe me, we'll just turn on the news and see what is happening with Kilauea in Hawaii. Things are constantly changing. And to talk more about Ohio's geological history, and specifically Hamilton County, John Walters has joined us today in studio. He is a geologist and GIS analyst at the Fernald Preserve. John, thanks for joining us today on Take It Outdoors.
1: Thanks, Paul. Happy to be here.
0: First question,
1: how old is Ohio? Well, it kind of depends on what you're looking at. If you go down deep enough, the rocks in Ohio are billions of years old. If you go up a little bit higher to the Ordovician Age rocks that you uh, mentioned earlier, you're looking at about 450 million years old. And then we have our glaciated lands in Ohio, which run anywhere from 10,000 to maybe about a million years old.
0: So if we go back to these rocks that are billions of years old, I'm assuming... They're not on the surface. You said if we go deep. So how, how do we know about these rocks? What's, what's the evidence that we have that they exist?
1: We know these rocks exist because of oil and gas exploration with drilling. We also know these rocks exist through the analysis of earthquake waves because waves on a seismograph will look a certain way going through different types of media, different types of rock, and they can determine what is down there by the shape of those waves. So we've physically seen them, but- We have physically seen them in spots, but you gotta remember a boring, might only be like a four inch core sample of the rock. Whereas the seismic waves will cover an entire region, entire area.
0: These rocks clearly then are, I mean, you mentioned billions of years old, not on the surface. Many of the rocks on the surface, though, I've heard that in Hamilton County, we have the oldest surface rocks in the state. Is that true?
1: Well, we do have rocks that were pushed down by the glaciers from Canada. We have, we have igneous and metamorphic rocks, which are probably hundreds of millions of billions of years old. But probably the rocks you're referring to are Ordovician-aged bedrock. Yes, those would be the oldest bedrock rocks in the state due to the, uh, the thrusting of the Cincinnati Arch. Can you go into more detail with the Cincinnati Arch? They are older than the surrounding rocks because during plate tectonics and the movement of, of the uh, land masses around the earth through the plate tectonic activity, the earth underneath what is now Cincinnati was pushed up during uh, that movement, during a, a mountain building process in the past. And so it, it came up just enough that the rock above it eroded faster. So what we have left is the uh, Ordovician age rocks, whereas the surrounding Silurian Devonian rocks around the Cincinnati Arch are younger because they they didn't they didn't come, go up as high, so they didn't erode as fast.
0: So this arch, it's not. I mean, when I look out, you know, it's, I, I don't feel like oh, I'm on this precipice and things around us have moved down. So I'm assuming this is a large,
1: a very large area. It, it you know covers Southwest Ohio, Southeast Indiana, Northern Kentucky. And it's imperceptible to you standing there looking at a highway cut or a, you know, a creek erosion on the side of a cliff. But we do know that these rocks are older through correlation of the fossils with with other Ordovician age rocks from around the world, which can be radiometrically dated to that age. You mentioned the Silurian
0: and Devonian periods, that they're younger, so they clearly came after the Ordovician You mentioned the fossils. Do we see different fossils in those layers, or what kind of
1: characterized those periods? What made them different from the Ordovician that we see here locally? What made them different is at the end of the Ordovician, there was uh, massive glaciation on a global scale, and that caused the extinction of the Ordovician aged uh, organisms. The ones that did survive in the Silurian, we see the emergence of more bony fishes. The Devonian, we s- were starting to see more terrestrial animals. Much of the continents during that time during the Ordovician, Salerno and Devonian, much, much of the continents at that time were covered in shallow seas. They weren't very high, and there wasn't a whole lot of water tied up in glaciers, and that's what happened in Ordovician. So much of the water got tied up in glaciers, dried out those shallow seas, and that's why we lost those organisms at the end of the Ordovician. This water that covered Ohio, and obviously a lot more area, but specifically Ohio, went into glaciers,
0: that glacial activity for some reason slowed down, the water melted,
1: and so then I assume those seas kind of moved back in, and then that's when you had the fish begin to appear. You have to remember this is a time span of tens of millions of years, so these continents are, through plate tectonics, are shifting where they're at on the earth relative to the poles. And that's what causes the, your changes in, in sea level. So after these, I mean, seas, you have seas and
0: glaciers, seas and glaciers, it seems like after this, I mean, we, you mentioned the Ordovician, you mentioned the Ice Age that we're familiar with. What was going on in, be, in between?
1: We don't know for sure, but it, there could be more deposits falling on top of the rocks that we have here now. But then, you know, like, like I said earlier, when we had the Cincinnati Arch rise up, all the, everything that deposited on top of that eroded away. So we don't have any record of, of what eroded away because there was nothing left. So we have evidence of the Ordovician
0: period over 400 million years ago. We have a long period of millions of years with no evidence. So we have really don't know what was going on. But then on top of that, we now have evidence of glaciers that were here during the Pleistocene. So what is the evidence? How do we know that there were glaciers here?
1: Well, there's quite a bit of evidence uh, throughout Ohio, then down in Southwest Ohio. We have there was different glaciation periods. There was the Illinoian, we had the Wisconsin. Uh, down here in the Hamilton County, where we mostly have the Illinoian glaciers, which are over 100,000 years ago. The evidence that we see is we see uh, clay deposits, rock deposits that aren't from the Ordovician aged. If you go up to northwestern Hamilton County. We do have some of the wisconsin age deposits up there, which are much more recent, you know, 20,000 years ago or so. What you also see with evidence of glaciers is, particularly with the Whitewater River, Great Miami River, are filled with gravel, igneous rocks, metamorphic rocks that aren't from around here. You also have huge boulders in places. There is a boulder at the Fernald Preserve in northwest Hamilton County that is the size of a car. I don't think that is going to get here any other way than a huge piece of ice pushing that down. And and estimates of this, this continental ice sheet is up to a mile thick in places. It might not have been that thick here, but it takes a massive object, a massive ice sheet, in order to push something that literally weighs tons, hundreds of miles from Canada down to where we're at in southwest Ohio.
0: Essentially, when you look out the window, the terrain that we see, the topography of our our
1: area, glaciers are primarily responsible for that. You have a lot of land features. Well, our river valleys have been tremendously affected by glaciers. They've filled in Um, Whereas like the Great Miami River, that river valley is two, three hundred feet deeper than what we see. But because the glaciers came and filled in that valley. You
0: mentioned a lot of
1: the clay that we have, a lot of the gravel. Clearly, if
0: anybody has spent any part of their life in Cincinnati, they know that erosion is a huge issue. So, again, that's something that we have the glaciers to thank for all the erosion that we experience here.
1: Well... Erosion also has a lot to do with the steepness of our slopes. It also has to do with the, the bedrock. Generally speaking, we're 20% limestone bedrock, 80% shale, siltstone, and that type of rock is very prone to landslides and, and erosion processes. It's not just the surface, it's our bedrock is even part of the erosion problem. That's correct. Yeah. And erosion happens everywhere. It's just we are susceptible to it here due to our our bedrock. And also the landslide issue is a large part of that. And probably the biggest part of that is due to human activity.
0: You've mentioned a a couple of different glaciers moving in. It's only been 10,000 years since the last one moved out. Do geologists think that we could enter another ice age where we're not out? Essentially, we're not out of the ice age. We're just in between
1: glacial sheets. Geologists do think that we are in an interglacial period right now. So the possibility of that happening, I'd say, is pretty great. No one alive today is going to have to worry about that. But future generations may see a a significant climate change. There's lots of theories on why it happens, I don't think anyone knows for sure. I mean, we, you have variations in the Earth's tilt, variations in the ro- you know the rotation around the sun, the plate tectonic activity,
0: essentially under us. You you say is stable as opposed to out west where it's it's much more in constant flux. Can you speak more about the fault lines that are under Ohio or at least in the general area?
1: Yeah, there are uh, some relatively active faults in uh, western Ohio, like central uh, uh, western Ohio. When I say active, that means they move <laughs> occasionally, not very often, and when they do move, no one really feels them. We do have some uh, interesting uh, faults in the Serpent Mound area, but and, and for anyone that's been to Serpent Mound, it's an amazing place. And there's, there's actually some faults there that appear to be from or appear to be due to the collision of a meteorite or a comet about two to three hundred million years ago, if I remember correctly. You know, earthquakes, like I said, they do happen in Ohio, and back in 1812, the New Madrid Fault down along the Mississippi River uh, around the Kentucky Missouri border area, there was a massive earthquake down there that actually was felt in Cincinnati. And from the accounts I've read, it actually rang church bells in Cincinnati and cracked foundations. And that's several hundred miles away. Give you an idea of the power of that quake, which is thought to have been the most powerful earthquake ever to hit North America in recent history.
0: For some of the listeners out there who were here in the early 90s, I remember when I was in fifth grade, we would do earthquake drills. There was a... A scientist, I can't recall his name, but had predicted that, hey, we have a big earthquake that's about to hit. So we did earthquake drills. I think he, you know, later got in a lot of trouble because he predicted this, and there's was clearly, you know, um,
1: no pun intended, faulty science. But was that that same fault? I believe that was the same the same fault. And he was, I think, he made his predictions through lunar gravitational a pole, tide you know, tides. He, I, he came up with it through that, which obviously was incorrect.
0: We've talked about how the past geologic activity has shaped the nature and the topography of our area, but how has that past activity shaped our culture today?
1: It goes back to what we've been talking about with the glaciers bringing in these nutrient-rich soils and sands, and that would have affected how the people who originally settled this land where they chose to build. You're also talking about economic activity. If you drive along the Great Miami River, look at all the gravel pits and gravel mining. that goes on along there. That's, you know, that's a ver- very crucial part of the construction industry. That's a direct result of the glacial activity. And the, the other thing that glaciers brought down too was very good, clean groundwater. The sand and deposits that they brought down act as a tremendous filter, and giving us some of the best water—literally the best water in the world. The city of Hamilton, Ohio, has won awards for for the, their uh, their city water. When we travel kind of anywhere in
0: this area, especially on interstates and highways, we see these huge cuts through hills, and I just see these layer after layer after layer. They change sometimes. They Some jut out more, some go deeper in. Is that showing this
1: millions of years of activity? If you look at those layers, you can see the changes in sea level by the types of rocks, where when you have the shale layers, which are the the ones that are real crumbly, those are basically clay-based rocks. Those form in a deeper, more calm water, ocean and that shows that the water was deeper at that time. When the water was shallower, you have your reefs and stuff, and that's where your limestones in that form. You have a different type of environment which allows for different animals to thrive. Whereas you look in the shale layers, you're not going to find nearly as many fossils as you will in those limestone layers. And the thing that's interesting about some of these limestone, or even even the the I've seen in like siltstone, which is like a real fine grained sandstone I've seen in in local rocks is you you'll see like ripple marks in, in some of these, which that that is showing you one moment in time, 450 million years ago, just on that day, something preserved for all that time. And some of these rocks, you go break them open They haven't seen a light a day in 450 million years. That's the first time those organisms inside that rock, those fossilized organisms, that's the first time they've seen sunshine in 450 million years. Think about what's happened during that time. The Earth's rotation has slowed down during that time. The days are longer than they were back then. There's more oxygen in the air than there was back then. Dinosaurs have come and gone wooly mammoths and the humans, humans have been here at the very end for a speck of a moment during that time.
0: We are at Sharon Woods and we're on the Gorge Trail. It's a beautiful trail if you ever get a chance to hike it, it's not that long, Um, it's a great little trip and it follows the Sharon Gorge. And we're actually down in Sharon Creek right now, which is at the base of the gorge and I am with Angela Martsey. She is an interpreter in the East Region here at Sharon Woods. She's met us down here today to talk about some more specifics on what we see when we go out looking for rocks in southwest Ohio. First off, why is this gorge significant? Is this a unique feature of Hamilton County?
2: It is very unique and from a personal standpoint, the reason I love to be down here and be in it and look at it and see what's happening is because you can look around in the gorge and in the creek and literally see geologic history in action. It's very exciting. About 24,000 years ago, the last glacier to roll over the Midwest here and cover Ohio began to retreat and the resulting erosion from that carved out this gorge over the next 10,000 years. So it did take time. Um, The Sharon Woods Gorge is the only state-designated nature preserve that is a gorge in Hamilton County, and it's the only state nature preserve in the greater Cincinnati area. If you want to find something that's even close to this, the nearest one to us is the Caesar Creek Gorge in Warren County, which is about 35 minutes away as the crow flies or an hour with average traffic. That one is about 180 feet deep. Ours is uh, right at 100 feet deep in its deepest part.
0: I hear the word Ordovician thrown around a lot when speaking of fossils and speaking of this area in general. What is that referring to?
2: Okay, it refers to the Ordovician period, which was 488 to about 444 million years ago. It was the second period of the Paleozoic era, and the word derives from the Latin word Ordovices, which is an ancient Celtic tribe in North Wales.
0: So it's a specific geological period of
2: time. Yes, yes, based on the rock formations and the fossils that we find in there.
0: Let's get in a time machine then and go back, say, 450 million years ago to this Ordovician time. When we step out, what are we going to see?
2: When you think of this area, look around now, and if you look at the gorge now, you see some uh, moderately mature, middle-aged hardwood tree mixes. You see a lot of ground cover plants, obviously we can hear a lot of birds. A lot of reptiles and fish activity in there. Way back 488 million years ago, think beachfront property. This whole area, the Ohio Valley, was covered by a warm, shallow saltwater sea, less than about 100 feet in average. Um, Apparently, there were a lot of large and very active volcanoes in this area at that time and i don't know if you remember the eruption of mount st helens back in 1980 i know that was quite some time ago but based on the amount of ash that geologists have found in the rock layers from that ordovician period those volcanoes spewed out about 5,000 times the amount of ash that was produced by the mount st helens eruption so very active time geologically there were no reptiles around at this time no amphibians no fish no birds it was the golden age of invertebrate life
0: So these invertebrates, is that the fossils that we find now?
2: Yes, those are the fossils that we find in our creek now. The layers that eroded back when Wisconsinian glacier began to recede took out all of the most recent fossil layers and what we're left with now are those most ancient creatures. All these had no backbones, no bony skeleton, no cartilage, uh, all had exoskeletons. And the interesting thing is everything that we find pretty much in these Ordovician period fossils are the ancestors of animals that we have existing in the creek today. One of the rarest is, of course, the trilobite. And in fact, Ohio's state fossil is a species of trilobite uh, known as Isoletus. And this is one that uh, they have found fossils up to two feet long. So it's one of the larger trilobites. Its closest living relative now is the horseshoe crab, which you've been over to the Newport Aquarium. They have those in their touch tanks. So trilobites uh, were arthropods and we have quite a few modern arthropods living in Sharon Creek now. Uh, In fact, I would dare say they're probably one of the most common creatures that we find when we go creeking for our programs. And you may know them better as crayfish or crawdads or crawfish.
0: Wait, So crayfish are descendants of trilobites?
2: Yes. Yes. They're all in that arthropod family. And arthropods cover everything from spiders to crabs, crayfish, centipedes, any of those uh, things that we come to know now as creepy crawlies, but that aren't insects, true insects, because they have more than six legs.
0: So specifically, what types of fossils or what animals then lived here in that
2: time? All right, so we had the full gamut of these marine uh, invertebrates, everything from scavengers and filter feeders to... Uh, a pretty impressive top predator species that we find too. By far though, the most common are called bryozoans, which are ancient ancestors to our modern branching corals. They're so prevalent uh, in some of the rock formations that if you pick up a rock, it can almost look like that rock is completely filled with very slender bone fossils. And usually, when a kid brings me one when we're doing a program, he says, "Look, I found all of these dinosaur, little dinosaur bones, uh, in this rock." And those are those pieces of branching coral. We also find um, brachiopods, which are ancient uh, clams and bivalve animals, and also uh, another type of clam called a pellicypod. Uh We find. A little filter feeder uh, called crinoids, and I'm sure you're familiar with finding Nemo. Nemo lived in, anem- in, in an anemone, um, but the anemones are the modern descendants of these ancient crinoid filter feeders, and if I had to say what they looked like um, back in the Ordovician Sea, it would almost look like someone took a large feather duster and stuck it handle end into the seabed because the crinoids had a long stem that came up and then almost feathery appendages on the end that were the filter feeding portions. We don't find those feeding appendages because they were soft tissue, so by and large those decayed away and didn't, uh, didn't become fossils, but we find evidence of those stems and they can be as thin as a pencil lead or we have found pieces of crinoid stem uh, the diameter of a quarter. Um, Another one that we find are evidence of our top predators. Now, again, we had no fish, so we didn't even have sharks at this point um, back in the Ordovician Sea. But we had a squid and octopus ancestor called the cephalopod. And the cephalopod could, uh, it looked kind of like an octopus stuck into an ice cream cone. It had a very tapered uh, shell that came to a point, and then the tentacles and the soft part of the cephalopod extended from the other end of the opening of the shell. And we have found shell remains that were roughly nine inches long from small ones. They have found um, remains of the cephalopod shell that were up to nine feet long. And when you think about that, with a nine foot shell, there were probably another 15 to 20 feet of cephalopod tentacles that came out of that. And these were the top predators of the Ordovician Sea. These were the active hunters. Um, They were definitely top of the food chain. And that's pretty much all that we find in there. Any rock that you look down at at your feet is almost guaranteed to have some sort of fossil in it.
0: You mentioned that whatever fossils may have been developed after this Ordovician period have been essentially washed away or grinded away. I'm assuming then we don't find dinosaur bones anywhere in this area.
2: We really don't. Um, it's interesting that in the Cincinnati area we have found the very oldest, and we found the most recent as far as the fossil record goes. But that in between era, the dinosaur fossils we really don't find in our area. A lot of that has to do with the erosion from the glacial meltwaters. Uh, Back in back 20, 24,000 years ago. So the Wisconsinian glacier was just the most recent, but we had three glaciation periods prior to that. And with that, when those glaciers started to recede, also came erosion. So what we're left with exposure now is that oldest layer uh, that's in the limestone bed in the creek. And those are the fossils that we find here, and also in very isolated pockets, those most recent fossils from the most recent ice age. People may not realize that mammoth fossils have been found in what's now Fountain Square in downtown Cincinnati. Uh, I understand that back, I believe, in the 40s or 50s when they were doing road work in front of the main entrance of what is now Winton Woods Park, they found mastodon leg bones there when they were digging, uh, digging up to do the road work. So we do have these more modern age fossils, but by and large, the most common ones are these Ordovician invertebrate fossils.
0: In science class, we learned about the three types of rocks. We have metamorphic rock, igneous rock, sedimentary rock. In this area, are we seeing bits and pieces of all three of those? Or what, what is this rock type that, that we find?
2: So in school we learned about the three rock types, as you mentioned, uh, metamorphic, sedimentary, and igneous. Uh, But really right here uh, in the Cincinnati area and in most of Ohio, we only have one type of bedrock and that is sedimentary. Uh, And especially as it applies to the creek and the gorge here, the creek bed uh, and the gorge walls are made up of two basic types of sedimentary rock. The two most common ones are limestone and shale clay. And as we look at some of the waterfall features in the creek here, you can can you definitely see the the lines of the sediment layers that have laid down. Yeah. It almost looks like there are thin layers of really hard rock. And then there's that kind of softer looking gray rock in between. The hard, thin layers that are more brittle, that's the limestone. And that's mostly calcium carbonate uh built up and that's the layers that we find most of the fossils in. That kind of gray clay looking is shale clay and that is softer. It tends to erode uh, faster than the limestone does and that's why on a lot of our waterfalls in the creek you'll find uh, limestone ledges that are broken off and have fallen down since the softer layer in between uh, has eroded. We like to call it the ice cream sandwich Rock, rock layers because that softer layer uh, which you think of as the ice cream is the clay which erodes faster than the, the thinner cookie layer that the limestone represents. And uh, it's perfect for uh, fossil formation. Uh, these were layers that were laid down and the animals that died in them in that Ordovician seabed and time and heat and pressure compress them into rock. And the minerals that make up the fossils themselves are a little denser than the limestone rock so when the layers are exposed the rain and uh, water rushing over them from the creek erodes the limestone surrounding the fossils faster than the fossils themselves. And that's why we find a lot of these fossils just laying right out in the creek, not even embedded in rocks. And we can just pick up a piece of coral or uh, another form we find is a brachiopod, which is an ancient clam. And we do have freshwater modern mussels in the creek now. So we'll just find these fossils laying on top as well as embedded in the rock. I'm not a native uh, Cincinnatian. My husband and I moved up here from Western North Carolina about 20 years ago. And in the Southern Appalachians, our main bedrock is not a sedimentary rock, it's a metamorphic rock, uh, granite. And that is the basis for the mountain range that we have down there. So it's a very hard wearing rock. There's very little erosion taking place there. Uh, So I took my granite for granite didn't think about it that much. And when we moved uh, here to Ohio, I noticed going down to the creeks, I started seeing all these fossils. And we just do not have that. Back in western North Carolina, there is little to no fossil record at all in the mountains. So for me, it's been a journey of discovery. And it's really ignited my interest in learning more about fossils and the fossil record, because these are Uh, creatures and time periods that I didn't give a thought to, that we weren't taught about in school very much because it didn't apply to our area. I have been fascinated by learning as much as I can about these creatures. The fact that I can go in virtually any creek, look down, and see fossils that are in excess of 400 million years old is just mind-blowing. It is a very unique and special area that we have here in our part of Ohio.
0: Folks, that is our show for today. For more information on the Sharon Gorge Trail and Sharon Woods, check out our website at greatparks.org. For pictures of many of the fossils we spoke of in this episode, pellicipods, trilobites, bryozoans, brachiopods, crinoids, cephalopods, check out our Facebook page at facebook.com greatparkshc. John, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, I was very happy to be here. For more information on the Fernald Preserve, just search Fernald Preserve. That's F-E-R-N-A-L-D. It's a wonderful place to hike. And on a side note, John is also one of our park volunteers and designed the mountain bike trail at Mitchell Memorial Forest. It's an eight miles through gorgeous woods. Excellent hike. I'd also like to thank Angela Marzi for hosting us at Sharon Woods. And of course, thank you listener for joining us on Take It Outdoors, a podcast where you can enjoy the outdoors from the indoors. Make sure to check back next month for our next episode. And until then, I'm Paul Sievers. Get outside, enjoy nature. This is now our fifth episode, and I would be remiss if I did not take a moment to thank the many people who make this podcast possible. Thank you to our marketing department who green lighted this project and pushed it to the masses Jennifer Sivak, Nikki Farrell, Lindsey Combs, and Becky Ozinski. Thank you to Amy Rail and Suzanne Roth for giving me the time to put the shows together. And finally, a big thank you to Tony Strader. He is the man behind the curtain recording, editing, posting, scheduling, producing, and so much more. This podcast would not be possible without any of these people. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you.